Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. I'm so excited to have Rona Maynard on the Storytellers today. We'll be talking about happiness, a starter dog, memoir, and so much more. Rona, thank you for being with me. My pleasure. I wanted to jump right in with where you spent the last decade of your corporate career at Chatelaine Magazine, which is the leading women's magazine in Canada, uh, as the uh, head of the whole shop. What was that like to be able to leave your footprint or your handprint on women that way? It was utterly enthralling, captivating, and nuts. <laughs> I had hundreds of thousands of readers, and it, many of them had been gifted their subscription by mom. It had been a family tradition since 1928. There really isn't any American magazine that has the deep roots that Chatelaine has. And I spoke to them in my editorial from the heart about the issues of the day and my own life. And really, my, my day as a woman in these times, what was keeping me up at night, what was delighting me, and I truly felt the readers knew me and I knew them. I used to get letters that said, I feel like you're my sister or I feel like you're my friend. And I answered the mail personally. There was a lot because they were deeply engaged with us. So when I left that job, after having accomplished everything that I wanted to do, my, my mission there was complete, uh, suddenly there was this enormous sense of, of letdown because my work there was done and I didn't really know what the next step was going to be. Plus I was, I was alone, I'd been surrounded by people. And I did have my husband working in the next home office besides mine. He uh, had retired at the same time I did, but it wasn't the same as that buzz and hum and constant sense of creation. And that ability to really leave your mark on the minds and hearts of women in a very profound way. What were some of the key things that you wanted to accomplish there? You said you're, you had met all of your goals. Well, one thing I wanted to do was make Chatelaine um, a true meeting place for women. I, I used to say if women are talking about it at their coffee table and their kitchen table, Chatelaine is writing about it. And that was true on, on my watch. I wanted the tone to be intimate and welcoming, and it was. I really wanted to go deep on health and expand our notion of what health is, mental and physical. It's not something that we get from a prescription pad dispensed in a doctor's office. 
we make our health every day with our choices in who to spend our time with, when to sleep, what to eat, and how to exercise and, and all those good things. And so you and your husband both retired and um, my words, not yours, the buzz of all of that was missing. And part of that was getting out of your head and finding how to, you know, find the art of doing nothing. Is that right? Well, I didn't know how to do nothing, frankly. Uh, I was a very twitchy person. I had to have a sense at the end of the day that not only had I cleared a lot off my desk, I put new projects into motion that were going to occupy me for a very long time. And I kind of liked people queued up outside my office with questions that only I could answer. I complained about it, but I liked it too because that was the measure of how capital I important I was. And then I wasn't anymore. Well, you were just differently. So part of your transition into retirement was you chose to spend your time with an ex-inmate. Tell us all about Casey. Casey the Rescue Mutt was trained in a men's prison in Ohio where they have a wonderful program. And by the way, there are lots of programs like this in American prisons that pair uh, prisoners of promise with, um, with dogs that need homes. And the idea is that these two unwanted creatures are going to work together to make the dog adoptable. So the prisoner gets warm fuzzies in his life and the dog learns to trust another human. Uh, our Casey was um, in a prison for most of his first year, excuse me. And while he is not the best trained dog in a formal sense, he doesn't know from leave it. And as for shaking paws, it'll never happen. But he does know about love and trust. And he came to us ready to form uh, a bond. So what have you learned from Casey? I think you've had him 10 years now? Uh, more like eight, because he wasn't, he wasn't a puppy when he came to us. He was a, more of an adolescent dog. Well, I learned to slow down. That's the first thing. I was one of those folks who always have to be the fastest person on the sidewalk. I was always powering off somewhere and uh, thinking about where I had to go and when I had to be there and whatever was interesting to me. I was all about the inside of my own head. And if a neighbor happened to approach me on the sidewalk, I would look right through that person. And, and by the way, there were some people who knew me who were very offended. They thought I was really stuck up and that I didn't think that they were as important as I was. The truth is I just didn't see 
So when you walk a dog, particularly a male dog, because male dogs are always peeing and marking, you've just got to stop all the time. And this forces you to take a look at where you are in the world. You will see, I certainly saw, the flowers that had come into bloom, the other uh, creatures, human and not, that were sharing the neighborhood, the streets and the park with me. And I had a conversation with a frog. I watched a bee gathering honey from a coreopsis. I became fascinated by nature for the very first time. I was definitely not a nature girl. If humans had not designed it, I just didn't want to know because humans made art and what did animals make? I also became more approachable to my fellow humans because I had a dog. If you're walking a dog, people assume that you know the neighborhood and they will ask you for directions. Now, I give the most terrible directions. I, I tend to say left when I mean right and one block when I mean five, but I'm so very well-intentioned. And <laughs> uh, I really like thinking that I have helped somebody get uh, where they are going. So that'll happen. And I met all kinds of people. I met tourists from Texas and Italy. I met a juggler practicing his moves. I met uh, office people on their lunch break, and I met a whole lot of street people. Many street people, while they can't have a dog now, did have a dog once, and they have a real hunger for touch that is much more profound than their need for money. And they want to stroke a dog. So I let them stroke mine and I got to know them a little. And the wonderful thing about Casey is, well, any dog really, is he does not distinguish between a person with money and a career who just got off the plane from Rome and somebody who just walked out of the shelter this morning. Everyone so, is equal. You've learned so many lessons from Casey, and I've had the privilege. I'm about three quarters of the way through the book and absolutely loving it. And the name of the book is Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving This World. And you've already shared some of that with us, but you also said that you were not somebody who could learn to do nothing, and Casey helped with that. So at what point did you decide to do something and turn your life with Casey into Starter Dog. It was so subtle the way it happened, really by degrees. I'm very active on social media and uh, I've been on Facebook for a long time. Facebook is like my, um, my diary that everybody can read, except I try to make the stories I tell on Facebook interesting and engaging. And I began writing about uh, my day with Casey, uh, who we had met, what we had seen together, and I would post little photographs. 
Actually, they weren't little photographs. They contained a whole world of experience and joy. And people started saying, gee, Rono, you should write a book about this. A lot of these people, by the way, were writers. And I did not take their comments lightly. So I thought, I'm going to go with it. I need a project. Uh, you know uh, that I was looking for this great big complicated project. And I thought, hey, it has fallen into my lap. And I've written part of it already. I've written lots of it already. But what I didn't bargain on is that it's a long journey between having a bunch of Facebook posts that people love and having a book with a beginning, a middle, and an end, a book that tells a story. And I had to find the storyline. The storyline was finding a place in the world, being cracked open by love that I was not expecting, and finding in this new life a level of rootedness that I had not experienced with humans. Because with a dog, there's no, how am I doing? There's no, do you understand me? Am I measuring up? None of that. I find everything you've done um, so honest. And your time at the magazine, you wrote about mental health issues and really created a national dialogue around um, depression and mental health issues. You, um, your book about Casey, Starter Dog, is not your first memoir. How did you get the courage, if you will? The, the Starter Dog one seems easier for me in that it is so filled with love and so filled with amazing life lessons. But still, you're, bearing, you're very honest and open. Is that a hard journey for you? Uh, at this point, no, because I've had so many years of practice. When I first wrote about mental health and my experience with depression in shadowing, I was very nervous about it because I hadn't been in the job that long. And I thought that the guys at the top, they were all guys, would start to ask themselves, is Rona up to it? Can she cut it in this job? So I really pussyfooted. And although that column had a big impact at the time, uh, it wouldn't today because that conversation has really moved forward. But I'm accustomed now to talking about my life and I have learned that the way to do it is to be completely open and do not try to make people like you. That is not the point. Uh, you don't have to like me. You have only to find me interesting enough to keep turning the pages. And my hope is not that you're going to find me utterly enthralling and my story, the best story you've ever heard. I'm hoping you're going to use my story as a portal through which you will come to a deeper understanding and appreciation of your own story. And I have found that that happens time and again. There is no experience I can have or you can have or anyone can have that is so weird, so embarrassing, 
so shocking and shameful that nobody else can get it. You know, when I wrote about dating the gay kid in high school, because nobody else would ask me out, I did that in the magazine. It was kind of embarrassing. And then it came out and I got all these letters from women saying, oh, I dated that kid too. And you know, some, some women actually married that guy and they had all the sorrow that comes from marrying someone gay who is trying very hard to be straight. So, so you take your, you now, and for decades have faced issues head on. And part of your passion now is you lead memoir groups as well? Well, I'm not currently doing that, but I have done it. And um, I probably will start up again in a different way. Uh, I used to do it face to face around a table and every woman brought a short piece that she had written and we went around the table. The way to do these things now is online. And I know there are people who would love to do it with me, but I just haven't started it yet. Well, you're never shy of a project. Let's go back to Starter Dog and my path to joy, belonging, and loving this world. What has surprised you most about it being out in this world? Well, uh, I've had wonderful reactions. People really identify, but you know, nobody has yet told me, thank you for convincing me that it's time to get a dog. And that surprised me because it would give me great joy to know that uh, someone has decided that because of my story of adopting a first dog at 65, it's not too late for them. And it really isn't, people. Go out and give it a go. I, we adopted a dog several years ago and it changed our lives as well, which is certainly one of the reasons um, I resonated with your story about Casey. Um, I was so glad to know that Casey is still with us. How's he doing? Casey is doing just great. And I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to say the doggy doesn't die. Uh, people really don't want to read um, a book in which the dog dies. He still thinks he's a puppy, although his muzzle is gray and he's taking arthritis medication. So he's also a great mentor in aging. A dog never asks, uh, how much quality time do I have left in my life? Dogs just don't think that way. They enjoy the time that they have right now. And when people say to me, well, Rona, don't you worry about Casey dying? I say, well, yeah, sometimes, but he doesn't worry about that. So I should be more like him. I should take my cues from him. So many lessons from Casey, so many lessons from you. And I love that we don't have to worry about uh, Casey leaving us anytime soon. Um, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time together, Rona. I hope everybody gets a copy of Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving This World. Um, may you and Casey have many more years of happiness. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. 
I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.